everybody. Welcome to the Blender Report, where news meets rational thinking. I'm your host, Jonathan Harvey, and this is your co-host, Aaron Cole. What's up, everybody? Before we get into it, I will just ask everybody nicely to please subscribe, like, and leave a comment. You can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and if you like, you can get a little more news by signing up for our newsletter um, at blendernews.com. So that's a newsletter that I put out six days a week. It takes a lot of effort, but it is a more comprehensive look than what we give you in the podcast. So if you're interested, head on over there and sign up. All right, let's get into it. Well, what's, how's your weekend been going, man? What, what have you been up to for the past week? Uh, man, my life is just so busy. All I do is work. Uh, but I like <laughs> it. Like, I'm one of those people that I really enjoy the things that I do. And this news network has just been consuming probably 16 hours a day of my life, which is wild. Um, Grind is real. It's, you know, in, in other more personal news, it was my dog's birthday yesterday. <laughs> he's, he's eight years old. So uh, I gave him chicken and rice for two meals and then shared some fried chicken with him later during the during like kind of the evening you know <laughs> <laughs> no that's what's up but no nah, what are the better ways to, to live it up for a dog's birthday right did you did you get him a puppuccino now you know sure? what he always gets them every time we go there he knows <laughs> like he's he's one of those kind of dogs like he's he's pretty aware of what's going on he's got a map in his head he knows if we're going to certain locations he gets excited when we go to grandma grandpa's you know what i mean if we pull into the starbucks line at all he just starts freaking out he just <laughs> he's head out the window he's super excited so he's a pretty smart pop he gets them all the time um but it's crazy like he's eight years old now and man time flies it's it i already feel like i am so attached to the dog that i already feel like stressed about the fact that he's not gonna be around forever so every year that yeah. goes by i'm grateful i have him but every year that goes by i stress a little more about not having him but anyway anyway otherwise life's pretty good how about you no, I feel that. Yeah, you know, same here. I've been st staying pretty busy. I actually got the chance to, to go out and do some mm -hmm. mentorship at Western University over the weekend. It was pretty cool. So it was uh, a Western uh, Entrepreneurship and their Ivy uh, School Council and Club. Nice. They had an event where, uh, because, like, you know, I'm, if, if for those who are not familiar, I'm very heavily involved in the Web3 <coughs> environment. Uh, for, I, and um, I'm very well connected. I used to work with, like, Corn Market Cap and tons of your favorite projects can't disclose a lot of them, but yeah, so it's been pretty fun. Uh, and they, one of their students that actually ran the organization got connected with me on LinkedIn and wanted me to help serve as like a mentor for their event. They had like nice. Ripple Ventures, uh, they're sponsoring the event and they're giving uh, one of the, a few of the lucky winners, they're giving them a chance to fundraise up to $100,000 for their uh, Web3 and AI startup project. Cool. So I got the chance to, to help them like, you know, create their pitches, work the, work that out and uh, kind of go through that. And it was pretty cool. Like, you know, nice. it, and it was pretty, it's pretty funny because just looking back at it, it showed it like, it shows like, you know, it, it put me in a position where I thought about like where I was like, you know, when I went to university and how I didn't know certain things and like, you know, just being able to like impart like, you know, some knowledge on some people so that they could ho hopefully some of them, we're going to get updates uh, going on later into this week if they won or not. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they won, you know, and everything mm -hmm. like that. I hope everything went a-okay for them. Yeah, it's interesting when you make time to sort of give back, whether it's money, time, knowledge, all those things, you realize kind of what it does for your, your like your mind and your soul. It's good for you, man. It's yeah, good. it's very good. So for the first topic for today, we have headline number one. Netanyahu government is an extremist government dangerous for the people of Israel, says Jagmeet Singh. This is from a National Post article, and within this article it says, as per Jagmeet Singh says, the NDP leader calls the Israeli prime minister an extremist with dangerous policies. And I quote, the Netanyahu government is an extremist government. 
This is an extremist himself with very dangerous policies, dangerous to democracy, dangerous for the people of Israel, Singh told reporters. The comments did not sit well with Netanyahu, and I quote, Netanyahu said, It is not Israel that is deliberately targeting civilians, but Hamas that beheaded, burned, and massacred civilians in the worst ways uh, in the worst horrors perpetrated on Jews since the Holocaust, Netanyahu said on Tuesday night in a post on X that tagged Trudeau's account. While Israel is doing everything to keep civilians out of harm's way, Hamas is doing everything to keep them in harm's way, Netanyahu said. Israel provides civilians in Gaza hum- humanitarian corridors and safe zones. Hamas prevents them from leaving at gunpoint. It is Hamas, not Israel, that should be held accountable for, the, commit, for committing a double war crime, targeting civilians while hiding behind civilians. The forces of civilization must back, it must back Israel in defeating Hamas barbarianism. So, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, the reality here is two wrongs don't make a right. Like, that's like the very simple way to look at this. Um, what's happening in Israel and Palestine, there's, there's bad things happening on both sides. And, and I'm not, I don't want to get into justification because I think that's such a dead-end argument for so many people. But what I want to say yeah, is like this, is <clears throat> the death count in, in Gaza is over 13,000. Right, and it's stayed pretty stable in Israel around twelve, thirteen hundred. They know they they knocked it down a little bit. Um, Hamas, it was horrific what they did on October seventh. Right, horrific, and you know what Israel's done since. People, self defense, sure, that's fine. Um, but a lot of what's happened in Gaza and, and and in the West Bank has also been horrific. You know, like there, there's there's no two ways around it. And trying to justify it by just saying these people are terrible and we're not. Like, look. When violence is being committed at this kind of scale, everyone's bad. It just is. There's, there's other ways around these things, and it never should have gotten to this point. That, that's kind of the reality. That's sort of how I feel about the war side of it. Um, in terms of what Singh is saying, like, first of all, I mean, the guy's throwing stones in a glass house, right? <laughs> right? 100%. No, dude, that's, like, that's actually very true. Right. Like, he's, he's, he's a big problem for this country. And yeah. like I've said this before, Singh is the most powerful man in this country right now. Because he gets to draw a line anytime he wants with the prime minister so that the prime minister can maintain his coalition. He's done this twice. And he's cost taxpayers billions and billions of dollars to do it. The dental care program, $13 billion. This pharmacare program is going to be $30 billion a year plus. It'll it'll grow, right? Because Mm -hmm. once there's money available, like I say, people line up. You know what I mean? So this guy's... This guy himself is bad for society. He says that he's doing things that are right, but like if you look at what's happening in the economy in Canada, it's falling off a cliff. And this guy implementing these rules is only going to make it worse. That that's yeah. that's kind of the truth here. Now, when it comes to him saying this against Netanyahu, you know, Netanyahu, which a lot of people may or may not know, he was on the sort of on the brink of a civil war in Israel himself. And a lot of that was because he was doing sort of autocratic shit. So how their system works is similar to the United States, where they have a judicial system in the way of sort of the government. And it's a checks and balance thing where they kind of go, hey, look, we're going to implement this law as a group of politicians. And the, and the judicial system will kind of go, hey, that's crazy. You can't do that. So they will repeal or pull back. And again, they just try to keep the country level. It's like it's so they can't be an autocracy. But what Netanyahu was trying to do before this all happened is he was trying to remove the judicial system's ability to repeal anything, which means you are oh. you're becoming a dictator. And the thing is, look, like, I don't care if you're left, if you're right. If you want ultimate power, you're acting as a dictator. 
One they'll call, you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter what, what sort of political affiliation you, you, you put over top of it. It's the same fucking thing. And Netanyahu was running down that line very, very quickly. So in a lot of ways, yeah, he's not good for the people of Israel. He really isn't. And that's why they were kind of on the brink of their own civil war. And then by this happening, you know, um, by the war kicking off between them and, and Palestine, now he's got a sort of a coalition government. Very much like Singh is a part of a coalition government here. Again, back to the glass houses thing. You know yeah. what I mean? In, in, in my opinion, you know, this war has actually done something interesting that you don't usually see. Usually what happens is political affiliation around the world, they just stick with their allies. It doesn't really matter what the ally does, whether it's right or wrong. They stick to their line, and politicians just kind of parrot it, right? If yeah. it's Ukraine and you're in Canada, you're just pro-Ukraine. You know, that, that's just, it doesn't really matter what happens there. That's what they do. And you can see a lot of support from those people in society. People were supporting Ukraine in Canada for the most part. But this war is interesting, right? Because what's happening is politicians kind of have to walk a line between, okay, well, our ally in this case is Israel, right? From a, yeah. from a, dip, from a diplomatic perspective. But a lot of, uh, a lot of Trudeau and, and Singh's followers, um, they sort of see it the other way. They're sort of pro-Palestine or pro-peace in Palestine. And I'm not talking about the extreme ones. I'm saying people that are like, hey, you need to call for a ceasefire. Those yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Most of the Palestinian supporters, I'd say, they just want a ceasefire. Yeah. And they don't want Canada support, sending money over to Israel to support genocide. That's exactly is, is it. So what, what's interesting, though, for me is you've got these politicians now that have to try to walk a line between both sides. And the only way for them to do it, it seems, is to offend both sides, is to call them both wrong. Because <laughs> that seems to be the yeah. approach. So now that that's happening, obviously Trudeau's got Netanyahu up his ass on Twitter, which is kind of funny. Um, and then Singh's running to his defense. I guess he's his little bulldog. I don't fucking know. But that's where this all <laughs> came from, right? He was like, oh, you're attacking Trudeau. I'm going to go out here and say something and show a little support. Yeah. To me, it's all a, a bunch of diplomatic bullshit. Neither one of them really affect each other's lives. And I think they're both doing a terrible job. Yeah, it's 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 sad what's going on. And if you really like put it all together, they're they're being they're being they're play, they're playing the political game. I don't think that they actually particularly care about what's going on there at, at that moment. They're just trying to do whatever they gotta do to remain in power. And if they have to toe that line of, you know, hey, I want to say the least offensive thing to my supporters while also not offending my political allies worldwide. They're going to do it, you know what I mean? And this is kind of the tightrope game that they're playing, and it doesn't really serve anyone because your, your, your political allies are going to look at you stupidly and your supporters are just going to be angry. But the real question is what it comes down to is like, are people, is this going to be the wedge issue going into the next election, next election as to what people are, are going to remember and vote against certain politicians, whether it's for or against, like, you know, do you think that this is going to be an issue going into the next election and people kind of hold that over both Jagmeet and uh, Trudeau? So I think Jugmeet is sort of in a safe space, and I'll tell you why, because he is going to continue to be the minority, right? So he's, I think he's sort of in this position now where the NDP are more powerful than they've been in a long time because they're creating this coalition government, and he doesn't have enough votes really to worry too much. So as long as he's able to keep himself in the driver's seat, which he'll say, hey guys, I got this coalition government going for us. Without me, it's gone. Yeah. So he'll stay in power. So the NDP is kind of this thing where they're a little bit under the radar. To me, it's a throwaway vote. Sorry, it's a fucking throwaway vote. Uh, yeah, I'm same. I agree. But, but that being said, I don't want there to be a two-party system in Canada either. So I can respect that it's here, but it is a toss-away, right? So for him, I don't think it's a huge issue. 
But back to um, you know Trudeau and Biden, it is a massive issue. This is the biggest issue we've seen in the Democratic and Liberal Party since Biden came in. Maybe not since Trudeau, because he's fucked everything up. But <laughs> no, yes, like let's be realistic. Yeah. That guy's made a That's total a, mess a of plain things. Everything's a disaster since this guy's been in power. But it is a major wedge issue, um, you know, for the Democrats, and and it will be for Trudeau as well. You know, to your to your question about will it become an issue come election time, it really depends how long this war goes on, right? So. There are all these little things. Like I, I, I often say that um, politicians leave things on the shelves and they pull them down when they need to use them as weapons, right? <clears throat> and in this case, if this is still going on and there's no real way to sort of rally your own your troops. Now, the Republicans are all seem to be on the same side for the most part. It's really yeah. the Democrats, the liberals that are divided here. If there's no way to tie them all together and rally them and this war is still going on, this very much could be a wedge issue. This really, really could be. But here's the thing that's interesting. The wedge issue won't push them towards being Republican or conservative because Republicans and conservatives are pro-Israel, whereas the wedge ex exists ah, because of pro-Palestine, right? So the funny thing is it's almost like they could be null votes. I don't know where they're going to go or what they're going to do because there's nowhere to go when that wedge divides you because you don't really have the support from anyone else. NDP is a dead vote, like I said, and the conservatives and the Republicans are pro-Israel. So where do you go if you're upset? So it's, it's this weird sort of, I don't know how it's going to come into play. I mean, if things get wrapped up before the election, then it's not really going to be an issue. Because as long as the Republicans or the Democrats or liberals, wherever, you know, Canada, U.S., as long as they've got, you know, 8 to 12 weeks before the election, they can pull off and weaponize all sorts of different policy at any time, really, right? Smear the yeah. other po opponents. And now they're using these things about being like, oh, there's deep fakes and all this other stuff and misinformation. So there's all these tools they have. They, they, they may be able to move that along. Um, but I'm not hundred. I'm not really hundred percent sure. But yeah, if if this gets into, if this bleeds into um, election season next year, it certainly could play a role. However, like I said, um, given that there's really nowhere for the opposition to go vote instead, not really sure it's going to make a huge difference. That's true. I, I think we're going to see a lot more no votes uh, going on, especially with the U.S. Uh, election coming up soon. Uh, I think there's going to be way more no votes because people just can't bring themselves to voting for in, in down south. They're, I just think that if they were so anti-Trump, like they're just on the never Trump train forever. So, you know, maybe that's going to help be beneficial towards the Republicans in that regard, because then there's less voter turnout, which they got like a record voter turnout in the last election just because of how much people hated Trump. It was more of like an anti-vote than an actual vote for Biden during yeah. that time. And then for us here, uh, but me personally thinking, like, I... I I don't think this war is going to really end anytime soon. I think it's going to be dragged out a lot longer than, than we really think. Yeah. Um, this, this has been a, if you really think about it, it's been a cold war for, since like 1948, since, since the, uh, since the Al-Nakba. Hot and right? cold. Hot and it's cold. hot and cold and yeah. it's been going on progressively throughout the years. So I don't think this is going to end anytime particularly soon. Maybe it might end in terms of like being so hot in the news cycle. Yeah. But... Uh, I think this is this is hopefully going to be something that not the war being good in itself, but I'm saying like this is maybe something that people keep in their mind when they're it, it comes time to go to the poll. But that's just my opinion. We'll see. I, I'm not sure how people are going to take take it going forward, though. Well, so there's one other thing I would say. There is the uh, there is the opportunity to vote for RFK Jr. in the states. So as an independent, yeah, but, but who is our RFK Jr. over here, though? No, 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 no. We, we don't have, we don't have, no, no, no. <laughs> we for, don't for, have for, one. Well, here, here's, here's, here's the truth. 
In Canada, you have to vote conservative. You have to be able to put this issue. I'm serious. Yeah. You have to be able to put the issue between Israel and Palestine aside, and you have to worry about your own country first in this particular case because what Trudeau has done to this country has been so bad across the across everything, all policy, everything you're looking at. It doesn't matter what you point at. This man has lit it on fire. You need yeah. a conservative government to come in and repeal and fix these things. And when you see Jagmeet Singh doing things like forcing him to spend $13 billion on dental care or forcing him to spend $30 billion a year on pharmacare, that's not what Canada needs right now. That's not going to fix it. It's yeah. just going to make it fucking worse. So that is the only solution in Canada. I don't care if you're conservative or traditionally you know, democratic or liberal. Conservatives are traditional Democrats these days. Anyway, um, so Canada is what <laughs> it is. It's really moderate in a lot of issues Yeah, now. I feel like you don't really have a choice, but in the U.S., you may see people pushing towards RFK Jr., uh, which would be really interesting. I mean... I would like to see him have a chance to run the country. I think he would make a big difference. Yeah. However, my concerns are that, and I say this loosely, the deep state would have so much control that he may just be the next Kennedy in line to never make it. So, Yeah, well, you know, wishing him Godspeed. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Um, but we'll, we'll see how things develop. We're definitely going to stay on top of that and keep you guys updated with that. So with that being said, let's move on to the next topic for today. So for the next topic, we have headline number two. Biden invokes wartime powers to fund electric heaters as he cracks down on gas appliances. This is based on a Fox News article. And within this article, it states that the American Gas Association says wartime law is being used as an instrument to advance a policy agenda contradictory to our nation's strong energy position. In a joint statement with the White House, the Department of Energy, also known as the DOE, said that the federal government would award a historic $169 million for nine projects across 15 sites nationwide in an effort to accelerate electric heat pump manufacturing. The significant level of funding was made possible after Biden utilized the 1950 Defense Production Act, also known as the DPA, to increase the domestic production of green energy technologies. <clears throat> Within this article, it says, and I quote, getting more American-made electric heat pumps on the market will help families and businesses save money with efficient heating and cooling technology, said the Energy Secretary Jennifer uh, Granholm. Jennifer Granholm. These investments will create thousands of high-quality, good-paying manufacturing jobs and strengthen America's energy supply chain while creating healthier indoor spaces through homegrown clean energy technologies. So, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, okay, so first I want to point out that this is part of the Inflation Reduction Act. So Biden just spent, using emergency powers, $169 million dollars which will cost American households an average of $9,000 more to maintain and, you, and, and, and basically sustain themselves with all the new appliance laws. So I'm not sure where they got their definition of inflation reduction, but this is 100% bullshit. <laughs> it's only going to make things worse. What's Now, second, second for me, look, the guy's using emergency powers, saying that it's an issue of national defense to fight climate change. I'm sorry, I'm going to need a little more support for that. I just do. You know, this guy's got, this guy can just press. So what's happened around the world that I've seen since COVID is a lot of these governments are utilizing emergency powers because what it does is it gives them a blanket to do whatever they want and nothing can really stop them. They basically just, they walk into this new space. Instead of being able to do two out of 10 things, they can do eight out of 10 without asking anybody. 
This guy just handed out $169 million to who, what, I, wouldn't even, I don't even know the companies, but I bet if you look into it, it's corrupt as hell. Guaranteed it is. And anybody I've talked to that, that uses electric heaters, so I was, I was chatting with someone the other day from Atlantic Canada. They're like, they're dog shit. They cost me so much more time, effort, and energy just trying to maintain. And we're doing all of this to reduce greenhouse gases, which, again, I really, I, I really still think that the jury is out on the effect it's going to have when you just change over these things in households, right? Because this, you're not going to go in and change them in the pre-existing homes. Right, because that swapping that infrastructure is insane. So you're only talking about new builds. So this kind of money being spent on something through the Inflation Reduction Act to try to make this difference in new homes, it's dude. We're talking about a drop in a bucket. But what yeah. I really, really don't like about this is the fact that he's using emergency powers for something that has to do with climate change, because I yeah. think this is a very slippery slope. I think he got no pushback. There was no real way to stop him because these, these measures still exist. I said, did you say 58, 59, it was put into place? Um, and I think it's going to set a really bad precedent. They're having, they're having major, major economic issues in the United States, right? They're arguing back and forth about sending money to Israel, sending money to Ukraine, about, you know, which is wild because they sent basically zero dollars to the people of Hawaii when that whole place burned down, which is insane. So you're looking at these things, you know, and you're kind of going, the country is strapped and they're trying to spend money in better places. And now this guy can just yank this cord and now he calls it an emergency. So it was an Emergency Measures Act. I'm not sure, like you, sorry, you'd mentioned it. I forget yeah, the exact it was name. From, it. Uh, it was the, the Defensive Production Act. So yeah, this was the DPA. from the 1950s. Right. Yeah. And then he gets to spend $170 million. And this is only the first tranche. There's going to be more. Now that this is okay, he's going to do it again. Now, how soon does that number track its way up to a trillion? Now, how soon do all the other Western governments around the, the world who are sort of parroting the same, <clears throat> pardon me, who are sort of parroting the same idea of we need to get ahead of this greenhouse gas stuff and change climate and all these other things when th this is an ineffective measure. But like I said, it's a drop in a bucket. But what it did is it opened the door. If the United States says that it's okay to use emergency measures to do something like this, you're going to see it in Canada, you're going to see it in France, you're going to see it in the UK, you're going to see it all over the West. And now those people's fears of being like, we're going to be locked in our homes because of climate change. You walk, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but how did we get locked in our homes before? Emergency the Measures emergency Act. Measures. That's exactly yep. what this was. And now this guy just pulled the cord and said, I can use it for climate change. And as soon as this happens, this is a very slippery slope. And I think it's going to get a lot worse from here. I would actually pay more attention to the connection between emergency measures used for climate change than whatever difference this is going to make for climate change and the money that he spent. I think we're going down a bad road here. Yeah, it's, it's getting very spooky in that regard. And I, I think the weirdest thing about this whole situation is that there's just no logic behind it. Aside from, you know, wanting to implement like, you know, <clears throat> emergency powers and just having that in their back pocket. I think the, 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 the silly argument like that people who would genuinely support this would make is that, you know, it's better than for the environment. But when you look at it, these electric heaters and gas heaters, they're, they're meant for specific purposes. Like if you have like a bigger home, you're going to want to use a gas heater because it's going to be more efficient at doing the job at the end of the day than um than an electric one. That's meant for like more like condos, apartments, you know, smaller homes. So not only is it inefficient, it's like okay, how does this affect the energy grid and how are we producing? If it's going to require more energy to heat up a, a larger home, or it's going to affect the grid. And then you know what are we using to power the grid in the first place? So how if we're just basically moving? 
uh, basically one type of, I guess, fossil fu fuel or ga natural gas energy yeah. into another <clears throat> area. It's like we're not really removing it. It's like it's like if you're you're sweeping dust in your home and yes, the dust is in the bathroom. You, then you just sweep it to the living room. There's still <laughs> yeah. dust on the ground. Like it's not it's not going anywhere. So I, I think I think it's kind of tragic that uh, a lot of people don't realize the sleight of hand that's being played there. But it, it's it's done intentionally. It's very sneaky. Uh, but I just don't see how this helps anyone, you know, in the United States. And, and like you said, it's eventually going to trickle over to here. Uh, and it might be even worse over here because we're, we have a lot colder time, uh, climate than the majority of the United States. So um, I, think, I think it's going to get really, really interesting over the next like five to ten years as, uh, you know, Agenda 2030 uh, gets closer and closer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you actually make a really good point about the energy grid. Um, They've already raised major concerns about trying to go full EV by 2035, you know? Yeah. And like you say, when they keep shifting things away from fossil fuels just to put more stress on the energy grid, and here's how they're powering the energy grid. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is preposterous, and it seems like instead of thinking about how to run a country for the long-term benefit of the citizens, they're like, how can we do something today so that we look good, regardless of what kind of damage that causes down the road? Yeah. And, and when you think about it, it's almost as if they're creating problems for themselves to fix later. And that seems to be like a consistent government thing, right? They create the problem, then they create the solution. We're here to save you. And yeah. this sounds exactly like the same thing. They're stressing out the, they're just going to put so much stress on the energy grid that they're going to have to find some sort of work around there. And some sort, like in, in Europe, they're using coal again. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> well, it's just, the, it's like, I think if I remember the statistic correctly, the greenhouse gas emissions like uh, throughout the entire world, you know, had actually gone up in the last few years since they started trying to apply more of these um, net zero policies because they, people can't keep up. So then when ended up, and I think the wars are obviously playing a role as well. So yeah. then they've actually had to revert back to using coal in places throughout Europe and they were wood burning for a while, I think in the UK. So again, like you said, the, these people are not really thinking about these policies outside of um, sort of, it's like a linear, a linear, they're thinking about them in a linear fashion yeah. and not in a more integrated um, you know, not using a more integrated thought process, which is really how they play out. So I, I totally agree with you. All around, this is a bad idea. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, but man, it's it, it's it's just really worrying to me because anytime I hear that word emergency power, I, I see like war warplanes in my head, <laughs> and it's just what's an, what defines an emergency. Like, you, it, there's a lot of things that 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 can be used as an emergency now, and I think. The next biggest thing going into, uh, you know, the, the next couple of years is, you know, what truly is an emergency? Like, how do we define it? What is what is it specifically? Because now it's getting into a boy who cried wolf territories. Right. So I think creating a definition around that, especially and keeping it less ambiguous is hopefully a way to keep politicians in check, right? Yeah, here's the problem. They make the rules, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good point. That's a good uh, point. So. With that being said, then, on to the next topic for today. So for headline number three, we have Pfizer vaccine contract shows Ottawa accepted unknown efficacy of COVID vaccines. This is from an Epic Times article. And within this article, it says that the contract says the purchaser acknowledged the efficacy and adverse effects of the vaccine were not currently known. And I quote, the federal government accepted the unknown long-term safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines when it signed a contract with Pfizer for millions of doses, according to a recent release copy of the document. 
Purchasers further acknowledges that the long-term effects and efficacy of the vaccines are not currently known and that there may be adverse effects of the vaccine that are currently not known. Reads a copy of the statement on October 26, 2020 within the contract with Pfizer, which was obtained by the Canadian Independent via an access to information request. In an email with the Epic Times, Health Canada said that Public Services and Procurement Canada confirmed that the document is indeed a redacted copy of the contract between Canada and Pfizer. By signing the agreement, Ottawa also acknowledged the vaccine and materials related to it were rapidly developed due to emergency circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic, and it would continue to be studied by Pfizer after the vaccines were delivered. This is pretty crazy, but what do you think about this, Jonathan? I mean, this is so insane that, like, I feel like all I need to do is repeat it in a different way. So you can, <laughs> so it's like, it's that bad. I'm like, yeah. So our government, we know that we give pharmaceutical mm -hmm. companies blanket coverage over vaccines. They're already not in any trouble. But at least before now, they had to they had to prove efficacy. A vaccine used to have to work. It yeah. used to have to stop from spreading and stop you from getting it. That was kind of the def the loose definition. Well, it used mm -hmm. to be firm. Now it's pretty loose of, of what a vaccine was. And, you know, since the 80s, safety was never, never really their concern. They don't do any safety studies. It doesn't really matter. So that's obviously, are you wearing that coffee? Did you just pour that on yourself? Yeah, I thought I did, but I, <laughs> I missed. I missed completely. Good. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the issue you have is... Now we've gotten to a point where we're not even worried about efficacy. We just signed contracts with these people that fast-tracked a vaccine into the market, and we bought hundreds of millions of doses after, what was it, seven, eight months? They had to say, it was October 20th. Yeah, they, yeah they, October dude, 20th. That was, like, yeah. that was like six, seven months. They signed this contract with these people being like, we don't know how it works. We don't know if it works. We don't know if it's safe. And in that contract, too, if I remember correctly, it said, you can't tell anybody. <laughs> you, yeah. you, can't, you can't talk to this ab about this to anyone. You can't disclose any of this to your MPs. So you can't even tell people in the political sphere. That's how tight-lipped they wanted people on this. So, like, you look, and, and you have to sign for hundreds of millions of doses. And then the pricing they had was wrong, too. They originally said it was, like, $19 and change. Apparently, it was closer to $30, which is 50% more per Ooh. dose. And if I remember correctly... What I think we have sitting in storage in Canada that we can't give away and no one will take and nobody wants, which is good to see, is about 32 and a half million doses. So that's about a billion dollars worth of product we're just going to burn. How is nobody accountable for this? First of all, how are we signing contracts with these companies when they don't have to guarantee safety or efficacy of the product at all? Not to mention how bad it is for people. Forget it, safe. Yeah. Like it's, it's, Man, let's, just, let's just imagine it works. Yeah, like, but, just but, hypothetically. But, but the thing, but the thing, but it doesn't. And they admittedly <laughs> said we don't even know if it works. But you're signing the line anyway. There need like there. This is this has gotten to a point. This is a big red flag, and I think more people need to pay attention to this. This isn't just another one of those oh COVID blah blah blah. This cannot happen. Our government signed these agreements. They were signed all over the world, basically saying you're signing this without even knowing if it's efficacious whatsoever. That is fucking insane. That is beyond. That, that just tells you now that pharma runs the world. That's what that means. That's insane yep. to me. How much money is changing hands? How much money is going to these governments and these people that are in power that have been elected to keep us safe and do the right thing? Because there's no way that this happened without tens of millions of dollars going to these people. Because they know when they sign that thing. 
They know that there are adverse events from, from vaccines. That's a reality. Everyone knows that. I don't care if people want to deny it. It's a fact, right? And we know there's a corollary effect with a lot of these young kids and the volume of vaccines they're now taking in childhood. It's very easy information to find. So you know this data exists. And now they want you to sign this thing here saying, we don't know if it's safe, we don't know if it works, and your whole country's got to take several of these doses. And you can't tell a single soul about what's in this contract. That is so crooked. They're, they're, dude. It's really dude, criminal. The, 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 this signals such a massive amount of corruption in the Western world right now. This, this cannot be let go. This is one of those things that I'm actually going to take and I'm going to go do an off-the-cuff on it, I'm gonna, which are not off-the-cuff anymore, by the way, obviously. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do more research on this and I have to lay this out for people. I have yeah. to put some more information down. This is so best. I do not want to talk about COVID anymore. This is such a red flag. If we allow our government to continue signing these things and continue accepting these things that are not, that are not helping anybody, only making it worse, only harming people. Dude, they just... I don't care. Like People might say this sounds like a tinfoil hat thing. Our government just accepted a bioweapon from a pharmaceutical company that we paid for and then gave them blanket legal coverage. What the fuck? What yeah. are we doing? No, it's, it's pretty wild. And, and it, 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 the, the craziest part is, is like, I'm pretty sure there's tons of, of, of people who, who are watching at the moment <laughs> and listening who have been having these discussions with family members and they were calling them crazy. Where did you see these reports? And, oh, it's not true. And that they, they like, there was a lot of people that were ride or die. 100%. For, for this, people were getting for, Pfizer tattoos. Yeah, but you know what's funny? You know, just the other day around this block here, I literally saw someone with a Pfizer um uh, what what those ja varsity jacket? No, dude. Yo, he had a no, whole, dude. <laughs> we had a whole Pfizer. Influencer. That is so 2021, bro. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. The jacket did look don't, good. Don't give me that. Don't, don't, give me that. don't give me that. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. But 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 it's crazy how many people. I remember I even had some of my friends going around like they were you know, making like influencer style videos of them going and getting their shots. At a strip club, <laughs> like you know, like they had a they had a they had a a, a clinic at a strip club, That's so and tight. it was that was, when Bro. I saw that I oh. was like, what is going on here? Like oh this, God. it was the wildest thing I seen. And, but like it just goes to show you that like it, it's crazy. The, the information is always there, present. It's just about when does it hit the news cycle, right? And when does it become prevalent to people? Because this has been like common knowledge, but it was so common knowledge that it, they wanted it to keep it so secret that that's when the censors are out. Like, oh, they would say, this is disinformation. That's disinformation. You couldn't that, use the word vaccine. You couldn't even. <laughs> Come and on, it, it was scary. It, it got to the point where I could even say, you, I could, now we can say COVID-19, but I was calling it the beer bug nice. uh, back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's how crazy it was. Like, you couldn't mention anything, but just seeing that, like everything that was being reported back then is 100% true. And, you know, families were ruined over this. Families, friendships. Of course. Ruined over this, all for this to be right. And now you're having people dying over this. Yeah. Because think about it. Like, yes, it was sad that people were passing away due to COVID. Sure. However, especially as a young person myself, I'm only 27, right? What at the time I was what 24, so I was just like, why would I, as a young person, risk these adverse effects for something I know I'm likely to to, to survive for? And people are being kicked out of school for it. I had friends getting kicked off of, of varsity <clears throat> teams for it. They couldn't play sport. Everything like that. And now 
everybody's sitting with egg on their face. Well, what's worse is they didn't even want to tell you that there were adverse effects. You still have something happen today, and the first thing they go is, it wasn't the vaccine. You're going, look, the guy died yesterday. It was a heart problem. Like, it wasn't the vaccine. You guys are crazy. It's like, do you know that it wasn't? I don't know that it was, but I can suggest that it might have been. It might have. Because the guy was in his 30s, and he was running a marathon. Yeah. So maybe it was. And you're just like, no, no, it wasn't. You're crazy. Hey, guys. Just face the facts that it's a reality. It is, it is an admitted adverse event at this time. Yeah. And what's, what's frustrating for me, too, is you see the same thing with, with um, pregnant women. They're like, it's perfectly safe. You need to get it. They didn't. The tests that they did with pregnant women, the results are horrific. There was so many. Dude, it is so bad for women that are pregnant. And they just hit all of it. Basically, the big problem that you have here is that it, it, it ends up in like um, your reproductive organs. Wow. Dude, the, the, if you look at the data on what it did to women that were, that were pregnant and the number of, I'm not, I'm not like the number of like just basically abortions that ended up happening, you know, they're vaccine related abortions, essentially, you know, it's, it's pretty wild. And they got to do all these things under this guise of this contract that said, we don't even know what it does. We don't know if it's safe. We don't know if it works. So it's like, at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, you can't blame the vaccine companies. But I think we can blame the government for this one. And I think that we yeah. should. I, and the funny part is, is like, I think uh, there was going around, there was, um, there was a fund I think Canada set apart. I think it was like some super small fund. It was yeah. like 30 or 40, $50 million where if you had an adverse effect, then maybe you could get paid out. Not even if you did. So, cause I think a lot of these people who suffered adverse events, like they're still not being paid out. I, I think a lot of them aren't, but I will double check on that. But, um, I can't remember what the exact total number of the fund was, but they had a fund for it. Was it was insignificant. I, You're correct. It, it was, was very big. small compared to <clears throat> the type of effects that could happen. But I think the one thing that just really gets me worried about like that entire situation is just the effects on the on the youth. Like we're, 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 there was a lot of high schoolers that were forced to get this. Like imagine what this is going to do to their life when they turn 30, when they turn 40, stuff like that. And we're already starting to see uh, new commercials. They're, they're coming out and making commercials of like, um, of kids having heart attacks and saying, oh, this is how you can prevent, this is how you can prepare from now. And they're trying to inform, like remember how we used to have like those anti-bullying commercials? Yeah. Like back in the day, now it's anti, it's like heart, heart attack uh, care commercials and they're putting them on like TV network. like I saw it on YTV the other day that's so wild. it's just like it's wild they're that you already watch mentally yeah <laughs> they're already mentally preparing kids seeing like oh yeah it's normal if kids oh, get yeah. heart it's attacks wild, and stuff dude. like that uh, it, you know what there are so many instances of this happening and it seems like I like obviously I'm reading the news every day right and the number of people that are dying that are way too young to be dying and a lot of them are heart heart related stroke related stuff like that like obviously not all of them are correlated <clears throat> but like yeah. a reasonable amount, I would suggest are, and n we no one will pay any attention to it. They refuse to look into it, and they still continue to call you crazy. But shit like this exists right in front yeah. of their face, and they still deny it. They still look at it and go, "No, you're nuts." That's that. It's because they committed to doing it, and I understand people. Yeah. They they become associated with their opinions, and they identify with it. And I understand the human. I understand it on the micro level, but at the macro level, there should be enough people to say, "Hey, maybe we were wrong." And when you see stuff like this, this is such a red flag. This is such a red flag to say, yeah, you need to look into this, and this doesn't make any sense. And look, I don't need anybody being like, oh, yeah, Jonathan, you are right, good for you, blah, blah, blah. I don't need any of that. I don't need vindication. I don't give a fuck. My whole goal was to stop the government and to try to help people. So now the, way, the best way I can do that now is for people to pay attention to things like this and to make sure we do something to stop it from happening again.
Well, uh, I've, and, and I think just, you know, bringing more awareness to it is definitely a thing. Getting these conversations started because people need to have these internally, you know what I mean? And I think uh, with more people talking about it, it becomes less taboo at for the sure. end of the day. So. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is I almost think it's less about it being taboo because I think people are comfortable saying that you and I are idiots. I think they're like, no, those guys are crazy. I think they're, I don't think that I think the problem is um, actually coming to terms with reality. That's what yeah. it is. It's not about it being taboo. It's about actually questioning what you think to be true. And I think what the world has sort of learned at scale for those paying attention over the last few years is that we need to ask those questions about pretty much everything. Yeah. And I think we just need to get more people on that page. And when you see things like this, it's a great opportunity to help bridge people over. To be like, hey, look, yeah. I know this is the way you saw things. I'm going to speak to my parents about this. You know, my, my parents let me do my thing, but they saw it a different way than me. They did. They did not agree with my decision and what I was saying and how I felt. Now, I knew so much about it because I was doing so much research and doing these videos that I was very, very hard to argue with. In fact, don't waste your time. On that topic, really, I, was, I would pretty much crush you because I was so heavily invested in the research and the data. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, we, we maintained a good relationship even though there was some, a, bit, a little bit of friction. But this is one of those things where I would go to them and say, hey, look, I want you to see this. I want you to look yeah. at this, even though I know you're on this side of things and maybe you'll continue to get vaccines and that's fine. That's totally fine. But I want you to identify how wrong this is and that these are the people that you trusted to do the right thing for you because they totally fucked you. So let's move on to the next story for today. So for that, we have headline number four. House Speaker says January 6th security footage is being posted online for public access. This is based on an NBC article, and in this article it states that the GOP-led House Administration Committee on Friday began by posting 90 hours of security video that had already been released to media outlets. In the article, it states that a Republican-led House committee on Friday began posting internal video from the January 6th riot to a public website, with House Speaker Mike Johnson vowing to make the footage available to all Americans. And I quote, Today, we will begin immediately posting video on a public website and move as quickly as possible to add to the website nearly all of the footage, more than 40,000 hours, Johnson, the Johnson Republican from Louisiana, said in a statement. And I quote, this decision will provide millions of Americans, criminal defendants, public interest organizations, and the media to have the ability to see for themselves what happened that day, rather than having to rely upon the interpretation of a small group of government officials. He said adding the request for, uh, for access to specific videos can also be made through the House Administration Committee. So, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, catch, I see a lot of things here, right? So... It's, it's interesting. First, Johnson is really pro-Trump. Uh, he's very, he's like MAGA all the way, let's go. So, yeah. so I understand that he would want to do this to try to open up the Democrats um, to some trouble and then basically try to prove, you know, not, yeah. not, not just that January 6th maybe wasn't an insurrection, but with that, sort of proving that Trump was innocent. So he's using it, in my opinion, as kind of like a, a sort of tertiary election campaign strategy. So I give him a little bit of credit for that. I think it's kind of funny that way. Um, the other thing that I think is actually positive, I think that people should be able to see this footage. Now, I watched a little bit of it. I don't think people are going to be very impressed with what they see there. It's pretty bad. You know, people are pretty terrible. But when you look at 44,000 hours of anything, I mean, I know there's only 90 out. You're going to see a lot of bad shit when something like that goes down. Um, but it, it is positive in the sense that it's going to 
sort of stop this whole we're doing things in secrecy and putting people in jail for 20 plus years even though they weren't there like i i don't really you know i understand that america was kind of built on on a conspiracy that's how they were sort of built and that's why any sort of conspiracy charge there you get serious time for it right and that's yeah. why these guys were thrown in jail for over 20 years some of them right even though they weren't on site but i believe that this is going to kind of open up and show America and show, you know, the Republicans and maybe those people, there might, there might be a new trial for these people. I don't know. You know, I think that's one of the sort of the positive thing. Um, and if not, if not, then good, at least then the Republicans and all these people that saying it wasn't an insurrection and that these people didn't do all these terrible things, at least that question will be answered. So in either case, I think you're providing answers. I don't know where it's going to land. To be honest with you, you know, earlier we were talking about opinions. People don't like to change their opinion about things, even when faced with facts. <laughs> so the reality is, at scale, this won't change anything, right? The people that yeah. believe it was an insurrection will continue to believe it. People that don't will continue to believe it. And if you look at 44,000 hours of footage, I guarantee you, you will find enough to support both sides. However, it will sort of shine a light on things in terms of, you know, at the higher level, sort of maybe at the judicial level, at the government level. And it may be something they can't hide behind anymore. And the Democrats may have to stop using it as a weapon and saying it was an insurrection and stop, stop trying to get Trump kicked off a ballot. However, on the other hand, if it does turn out to be quite bad, perhaps they're justified in doing so. I don't know, but at least that will be put out in the open. But one of the other things that I kind of want to identify here is when you release 44,000 hours of footage on something that is one of the most divisive topics in the country, what are you doing? You're misdirecting people. You're keeping them busy. You're not keeping them focused on maybe things that are important. You're giving them one more stupid thing to play with. This is the same as gender ideology. This is the same as all the LGBTQ Ooh. stuff. This is the same as, you know, Black Lives Matter. This is exactly the same. It is. It's just, it it's just wearing a different is. hat, right? It's 44,000 hours of footage in what people are calling, you know, depending who you ask, they call it worse than 9-11. I mean, AOC's <laughs> kind of up her own ass with stuff like that, but they say these things, right? So when you're releasing all of this to the public, you're going to create a sort of a bit of like a like a mass hysteria around this and another really big divide and another really big topic for the American people to fight over. So in that sense, yeah. I don't really love it. Um, so like I said, I'm very divided on it. I think there's pros and cons, but that's sort of how I see this. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the pros of this situation is particularly the people who are being charged mm -hmm. for this event. So like for anyone who was like getting criminally charged, I think this is important because uh, now that they'll, they'll have more information and data yeah. to, you know, help defend themselves. So I think that's a real positive. But like you said, like there's you can create anything you, you can create any any narrative you want. With video editing and AI, <laughs> well, yeah. So, so them them releasing this image imagery is just going to be, you know, it's just going to be a field day for trolls essentially. Because I I don't think it's necessarily going to help change any opinions. It's just going to help people create some funny content online yeah. that's going to push either a narrative or you know maybe just be for fun. But I don't think it's going to really do anything because what. Uh, all co uh, cons conservatives are going to do is just complain online. And then all the people on the left are going to do is just say, see, look at this, look of at course. this. And, and, and it's not going to really lead to any new solutions. It's not going to change any minds, but I think we will get a lot of cool content out of this. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty, yeah. pretty wild what comes out of it, especially with the shaman or whatever that guy is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Jacob Chansley. Yeah, he's actually running for office in Arizona. Oh, oh yeah. He's denounced, he the, denounced, Q like he's denounced the QAnon regime, though. He's out of that. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty wild, man. Um, 
Yeah, you know, actually, one other thing that I just thought of, too, that's interesting, and you, you kind of got me when you said just about sort of manipulating video and AI. This has already been looked at by somebody, right? This yeah. has already gone through a, a special committee, right? Yeah, you, a special committee, only select, uh, basically a special group of people that there, we have no clue who they are. There's going to be missing footage. 100% there is. Oh, yeah. If Redacted any, footage, most definitely. If anything is damning or anything is anything, if anything would point one way or the other with any real, uh, with any real weight, that won't be around. That'll be gone. 100%. Yeah, and why why would they be incentivized to release all of the image anyway? Like what what even them putting up all of this hours of footage like there's really no benefit other than the legal defense. It's just like like you said, I think now the more that we we speak about it, I really do think this is another distraction technique and, and it's just more so about like okay, why would they release this opportunity at this time? Like, yes, we know we have Trump's trial coming up and everything like that. But what's also happening in the economy? More people are about to lose their jobs. So maybe this is something that can keep them distracted. You know, kind of like, I guess for some people, this is like their version of new sports news. You know what I mean? It uh, is. So people maybe that's another way to keep them distracted and stop pointing fingers at certain topics. Well, you made a good point, right? So use sports as an example. I love sports. And it depends on the season. Yeah. Right now it's football season. I like to watch the NFL. I watch a little bit of NHL, but mostly NFL. Baseball season, that's my favorite. Yeah. If there's a, if there's a major tournament on a golf, yeah, I'm that nerd. I'm going to watch all four days. <laughs> I like it. But with, with these people, it's similar. When you think about creating content and filling that social sphere with all this, all of what's going on, well, Israel-Palestine, it's getting old. I mean, I don't think it is in, in terms of yeah, like, it, I feel I know, for the I know people. It's not getting old, but for the news cycle. It's getting old, it's right? Getting it's, old. it's been over, it's been a month and a half. So now you've added something. You've thrown this new divisive topic into the mix. And a lot more people like to create content and like to consume content than like sports. They yeah. do. Like, like for them, I would suggest like hundreds of millions of people are making content all the time and have an opinion about everything. <laughs> this is a show about opinions. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever. You're welcome. So, um, yeah, like I, I really do see it as that. But one of the actual things too that you you sort of touched on there, I think, is if for nothing else, the Republicans by releasing this look like they're in favor of being open and honest with the citizens. They look like yeah. they're in favor of saying no censorship. You should be seeing this. We are elected officials. Here's the proof that we care about you. So it's actually a, a pretty smart political move, I think, um, from the Republican sides. They really have nothing to lose yeah. because they've already lost the Jan 6th debate. So the only thing they can do here is win. It can't make them look any worse. So now they've released the footage to show that That's they true. care and they're not censoring people. It may work in their favor where it may benefit Trump and it may benefit the Republicans because it can really only go the other way. That's the only way the narrative would change, right? And then honestly, too, um, you know, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think more than anything, like we said, it's a distraction tool. Keeps the people preoccupied. Yeah, so people are going to have tons of, of things to keep them preoccupied for a bit. But it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to develop. We're definitely going to hear about it way more as, as oh, yeah, time goes definitely. by. I'm waiting for some, like, because it's only been 90 hours and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's already like, we need a new committee. Everyone needs to get on the stand. I'm gripping everybody apart. Bro, you've only seen 90 hours. You probably haven't even watched it. It <laughs> has, hasn't even been 90 hours since it's been released. Yeah. And they're already freaking out. I'm like, bro, at least let them get through 1,000 hours. Because, like, what, <laughs> what a long... Because, I mean, the thing is, if they're doing this already after less than 100 hours, how does this conversation go as the next 44,000 hours of content? gets released yeah like, fucking slow your roll kid jesus oh uh, it's crazy they probably have some people looking at this around the clock like like trapped in the basement yeah watching but, this, but here's stuff. the you're right but here's the thing if anything was damning it'd already be on the show we'd see it ah that's true so it's not all there it, it's it's 
It's Maybe political it's just theater. dry footage. Bro, it's political theater. That's all this yeah. is. They're just weaponizing this shit against each other. Anyway, yeah. All right, so let's get into the next story for today. So we have headline number five. The West has a new enemy. China and other hostile regimes are forming a menacing authoritarian alliance against democracies, experts warn. Political and military leaders have introduced a new acronym, CRINKS, to describe the alliance between China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. China is form forging a menacing alliance with other hostile regimes against the West and is growing as a prominent threat challenging U.S.-led democracies across diverse arenas in the Indo-Pacific theater, experts warn, at a recent international security forum. Political and military leaders have shared this perspective during two panel discussions at the 2023 Halifax International Security Forum in Halifax, Nova Scotia on November 17th to November 19th. So, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this? Well, honestly, I think the West was just looking for a name for their enemy on the East. That's all this was, right? Because if you look at what's been happening over the last, I don't know, forever, but in the last five years, we've seen it a lot more. We've seen these East versus West sort of gentrifying, whether it's militarily, economically, politically. It's mainly an ideological thing, and they're sticking to their own sides. And now what's happened is the West is obviously supporting these wars in Ukraine. They're supporting the war in Israel um, against the Palestinians or the Hamas, however you want to look at it. And what's happened is they, they've now given this name, the Krinks, this, this is the East, and this is who the West are going to continue to fight. So now they're just going to, they're going to tell the people we have a common enemy, and they're fighting against democracy, and they're the bad guys. <laughs> so it, it, it's, the problem is now you've got another war on terror. You've got another war on drugs. You've got another war you can't win. That's what this is. You cannot win this war. And, you know, why I think they do these things and why they give these people acronyms and names and stuff like that and group these countries together is because they don't want to go at one country. Because if you go at one country, that's a blanket rule. You know, you, if you have a problem with Iran, you don't do anything with them. You don't do business with them. You just stay out of each other's yard. You just, you guys are at war. That's the end of it. So when you give it a name like Krinks, you'll notice that China is also in BRICS, right? So they do this so that they, they have two sides. They have the one side that they can fight and condemn. And from a military perspective, they can push back and they can fund their military industrial complex. And they can tell everybody they have a common enemy. These are the people that are ruining the world. But on the other hand, they're in their back pocket economically because it's through a different acronym, BRICS. It's total bullshit, but that's the only reason they did this. Look, if you look at what happened at this summit, there was no new information shared. Everybody already knew everything. What they did was they talked about it all in one place and wrapped it up with a nice little acronym bow called Krinks. There's so much deception that happens, like, you know, in the political scene. And whenever I see stuff like this going on, it just it, it's another indicator showing us that, like, we're losing our, our power, not only economically, but politically worldwide. I, I think th it's a clear indication that they understand that there's there's an east west divide, like what you were talking about. But the east is winning this divide where we have to still pretend that we're we're running things in the west but it's actually the east that's winning like i remember i, I remember seeing a video uh not too long ago where someone was talking about um they they were talking about the difference between like oh uh, someone was saying, oh, he, he was responding to a video that was talking about how someone was complaining how Trudeau has turned this place into China, right? And he was saying, if you actually look at it, China has actually become a far more advanced uh, society than Canada itself. So he, he, was say, he was making the argument saying, 
there maybe there yes there's some things that we shouldn't take from china but there are some things that we could take from china and actually improve our society right and actually head towards advancing having more you know economic output uh you know more advanced cities more advanced transportation things of that nature and uh Although I don't particularly agree with the argument, I thought it was an interesting point that was being made because it was showing that like the the world's perception that like Asia is is like some backwater type of society is actually mislabeled. Like they're actually far more advanced than us in a lot of scenarios. And I think this was also shown and shown to be pr uh, and proven to be true when uh, Xi Jinping went to San Francisco recently. And in, when he went to go visit San Francisco, magically, the homeless people disappeared from the streets. They found a place for all the homeless people. They cleaned them up off of the streets. They got them removed. There were no open-air drug use, uh, nothing like that. And then he, while he was there for that time being, you know, it was all okay. But then as soon as um, Xi Jinping left, what did it go back to? You found, found the same homeless people back on the streets, shooting up in the open again. So it's just like, what is it about the East that's so well, well put together that, you know, the people in the West want to keep up this charade that we're still number one, but they're always, you know, secretly supporting the East behind the scenes. You know, maybe they are more advanced than us. So it's just been something that's been on my mind uh, quite a bit lately. Yeah, I mean, I think using, I think building an acronym like this and, and calling them the enemy really does push people um, against them in, in all respects. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they look at them as the enemy. They don't want to have anything to do with them. And they just continue to root for their own team, <clears throat> yeah. which I think is a big part of this, right? Um, but with respect to what you're saying in San Francisco, you know, I actually think there's a bigger problem there they, San Francisco allowed their city to fall apart. They allowed all the major retailers to leave. They yeah. allowed, uh, like, entrepreneurs to have to close all their doors. No one feels safe in the city. It's overrun by drug use and crime and all this other stuff. That's what's happening. It's like this weird melting pot um, experiment, right? Yeah. But the moment that you're going to have Xi Jinping there, in two weeks, everything's cleaned up. Clean. Which means they could have done this the entire time. Like people should be even more pissed off with the yeah. with the government in California and in San Francisco now than they've ever been because they just showed you that for the leader of China they can clean that city up in two weeks. So that yep. means all of the casualties of all the businesses and all the crime and all the bullshit that they're letting happen there they're letting happen on purpose. That's what it means because yeah. they can effectively take care of this in literally no time. So that's one thing I think people that's a bit of a side note, but I think they should be really quite upset about this. But Back to this other thing, you know, sort of about <clears throat> this China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea alliance that are now the enemy of the West. Look, the problem with stuff like this is that these wars don't end. You now have a common yeah. enemy, and you don't know how long it's going to last, but you know it's going to continue. It's no longer about fighting Russia until they deal with Ukraine. Now they're a part of this. Now they're part of the new <laughs> axis of evil. That's yeah, what they're it's, doing. It's an ideology. We're not fighting a... That's exactly uh, it. Yeah. And they do these things. They, it's, it's propaganda. Because you're going to continue to fight these wars on separate fronts, and you're not going to fight them as one group. You're not going to. But now that you've labeled them as one group, now you've got this propaganda tool to convince all the people at home that anything you have to do against these people is worth breaking the rules for, spending all your money on, and making sure that we can maintain our democracy, if that's what you even want to call this anymore. <laughs> so all it is is a tool they're using, Experiment. unfortunately, to just continue brainwashing citizens at home. That's really what it is. Totally, and I feel that. Well... That's all I pretty much have for today. What about you, Jonathan? 
that's it. Um, like I said, like and subscribe. Come see me on that newsletter, man. I'm putting so much work into it. Uh, it's at blendernews.com. I would appreciate to have you there. Um, otherwise, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, bye, everybody. See you.